What's up, MLB Morning Coffee listeners? We have our first sponsor. Please welcome to the show, Sit Stay Paul. Is there a better feeling than walking through the door and seeing your dog so excited to see you? There really is nothing better than a happy, healthy dog. Sit Stay Paul, Boston-based dog treat company, focused on all natural, healthy ingredients, is dedicated to helping dogs live happier, healthier lives. At Sit Stay Paw, they treat dogs as part of the family and understand you do too. That's why they use the highest quality all-natural ingredients in each dog treat. Each recipe has been developed along board-certified veterinary nutritionists and is packed with the flavors your dog loves and the nutrition they need. Stocking stuffer ideas? Do your friends have dogs? Sit Stay Paw's Blueberry Pancake Chewies are made with real blueberries full of antioxidants, fiber, and vitamin C and K the perfect stocking stuffer dip for your friendly pooch. Their carob chip chewies are a natural sweet treat your dog will love, full of vitamins A, B, D, calcium, iron, magnesium, everything your dog needs. For the next four weeks, listeners can go to sitstaypaw.com. That's www.sitstaypaw.com. And on Facebook and Instagram, at sitstaypaw. And use code MLBCOFFEE. That's right, MLBCOFFEE. For 10% off your first order. Take a pic, throw it on the gram, get your dog on the Sit Stay Paw Instagram. Sit Stay Paw, go get your dog a treat. Now, on with the show. Ah, yes, it is a Wednesday morning here on MLB Morning Coffee, a production of the Ocean Avenue Studios here in San Francisco, California. Thank you so much for coming along for the ride. My name is Greg Mraz, your host as always. A reminder that we are brought to you by Sit Stay Paw. Go to sitstaypaw.com, enter promo code MLBCOFFEE at checkout, and receive 10% off of your first order. Again, that's sitstaypaw.com. Promo code MLB Coffee at checkout to receive 10% off of your first order. Well, I will say that me sometimes delaying the podcast and not doing as many shows is actually a little bit juicier because we get to go over more things that have happened in the world of baseball. Now, I wanted to record something early Tuesday morning in regards to the Jared Porter scandal. I'm going to hit on that in this episode. But what is the main subject now of the episode is the news that broke late last night. George Springer and the Toronto Blue Jays sign a six-year, $150 million pact that will keep Springer in a Blue Jays uniform until the age of 36. That is an average salary of $25 million a year, and it is the most expensive contract that we have seen signed this offseason. So let's get into it with George Springer. By all accounts, George Springer was the most valued position player on the free agent market entering this year. And finally, on January 19th, the market finally gave way for George Springer as the Toronto Blue Jays signed him to a six-year, $150 million contract to bring him from Houston to Toronto. Why is this significant? Well, number one, Toronto has already got one of the best young lineups in baseball with guys like Vlad Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, Lord Guriel, and Kevin Biggio, amongst others. Oh, and I can't forget Teoscar Hernandez as well. If they add Michael Brantley, this is going to be one of the most, if not the most, dangerous lineup in baseball. 
There's no question in my mind that George Springer was the prize of this Major League Baseball offseason. The question just simply was, who was going to make the biggest deal to get him to their team? It was not going to be the Houston Astros. That was for certain. Because after the sign-stealing scandal, I have people that have told me that no George Springer, that he wanted nothing to do with the Houston organization anymore. He wanted to play out his contract and be done with the Astros. That's why they gave him the qualifying offer. He rejected it. Now they will get a compensation pick in the upcoming MLB first-year player draft. So the question really becomes, is George Springer really worth $25 million a year? And I'll say this. Baseball contracts have gotten more and more expensive as the years have gone on. Barry Bonds never made more than $20 million in a season. And he's Barry Lamar Bonds, the home run king, who is probably the greatest pure hitter of all time. And that is a hill that I am willing to die on until the end of my days. So let's take a look at George Springer's career stats and at some of his best years in Houston. Because if he's at his best he is going to be a legit superstar. When you look at George Springer's numbers, his best year more than likely came in 2019. He hit 292 with 39 homers and 96 RBI. In 2017, he hit 34 homers with 85 runs batted in with a 283 batting average. He's a career 270 hitter, which includes a 231 rookie year where he finished eighth in the rookie of the year voting. He is a three-time All-Star and has finished in the top 15 of the MVP voting three different times. He's also won two Silver Slugger awards. That was in 2017 and 2019. Springer has 174 career home runs at the age of 31. George Springer didn't debut until 2014, so he is a little bit on the older side. But if Springer has years like he did in 2017 and 2019 in Toronto, he will be well worth the contract. Now, I don't think that any baseball player is ever worth that much money, simply because of the fact that you pay a player based on his best performance, not his average performance. And while Springer's two best years are very good performances, if you were to get 34 to 39 homers, which is the range of that 2017 and 2019 season, and in the range of 85 to 96 RBI, I would absolutely say, yes, pay George Springer $25 million a year for the next six years. But George Springer is also somebody that strikes out a lot. In 2016, he struck out 178 times in 644 bats. Springer's strikeout rates have gone down significantly, but he is still somebody that you can classify as a relative free swinger. In 2019, his on-base percentage was almost 100 points higher than his batting average. He hit 292, and his on-base was 383. So, that's a little over 90 points, 91 points to be exact. Anytime you have that disparity between batting average and on-base percentage, to me, that's a good thing. We have had some big trades this offseason, but this is the first legitimate big offseason signing. Now, Trevor Bauer awaits. As does JT Real Muto, as does Marcus Simeon, and as does Marcelo Zuna. Those are the four biggest prizes left in the free agent market. As for the destination, I'm not necessarily surprised that it was the Blue Jays, simply because the other three options just weren't as feasible. 
The Red Sox hired Alex Cora back as their manager, and I don't think Springer wants anything to do with anybody from the 2017 Houston Astros coaching staff. The New York Yankees, their outfield is already pretty full with Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge. I know that Stanton more than likely will be a DH, but you also have Aaron Hicks out there, who I think is going to blossom into a star over the next couple of years. The Yankees didn't need to spend that type of money in the outfield, which leaves the New York Mets. And I really feel like the New York Mets would have been a destination for George Springer, but our next story shows why they really fell out of the running. On Monday night, ESPN reporters Jeff Passan and Mina Kimes broke a story about Mets GM Jared Porter in that while he was a member of the Chicago Cubs scouting staff, he sent over 60 text messages to a foreign baseball reporter who is now no longer in the business, and the final message he sent was a picture of his dingus. You go to the best machine, of course, you dingus. Rule number one, if you're a dude... You never send a picture of your dingus to anybody. That's just blatantly clear. You don't do that. You especially don't do it to a woman that has not responded to each of your first 60 text messages. The story goes that Jared Porter became a good contact of this foreign reporter and started to give her information about the Cubs scouting department. However, his interactions with her became more and more inappropriate to the point where she had to get another Cubs employee to try and intervene. That employee eventually proved to be unhelpful. She got out of baseball media and decided to get back to her home country and work in a different industry. And more than likely, she quit baseball media because of Jared Porter. So Jeff Passan and Mina Kimes break this story, and I want to read to you the first couple of paragraphs from it because I feel like they do a better job of outlining it than anybody else. They are the ones that indeed broke the news to the public late Monday night. The report starts, New York Mets general manager Jared Porter sent explicit unsolicited texts and images to a female reporter in 2016, culminating with a picture of an erect naked penis, according to a copy of the text history obtained by ESPN. The woman, a foreign correspondent who had moved to the United States to cover Major League Baseball, said at one point she ignored more than 60 messages from Porter before he sent the final lewd photo. The text relationship started casually before Porter, then the Chicago Cubs director of professional scouting, began complimenting her appearance, inviting her to meet him in various cities, and asking why she was ignoring him. And the text messages show that she stopped responding to Porter after he sent a photo of pants featuring a bulge in the groin area. Porter continued texting her anyway, sending dozens of messages despite the lack of a response. On August 11th, 2016, a day after asking her to meet him at a hotel in Los Angeles, Porter sent the woman 17 pictures. The first 15 photos were of the hotel and its restaurants. The 16th was the same as an earlier photo of the bulge in the pants, the 17th was of a bare penis. Reached by ESPN on Monday evening, Porter acknowledged texting with the woman. He initially said he had not sent any pictures of himself. When told the exchanges show he had sent selfies and other pictures, he said that, quote, the more explicit ones are not of me, those are like, kind of like joke stock images, end quote. After asking whether ESPN was planning to run a story, he asked for more time before declining further comment. 
On Tuesday morning, the Mets fired Porter, according to a tweet from owner Steve Cohen. Quote, in my initial press conference, I spoke about the importance of integrity, and I meant it. There should be zero tolerance for this type of behavior. The story goes on in further detail, but I think that I've gotten the main point across to you all. Number one, Jared Porter is an absolute creep, and the fact that it took over four years for this to come out is absolutely insane. The fact that the Cubs never knew about it and that this woman was not able to come forward is ridiculous. Why is this coming out now? Why was he allowed to continue with the Cubs, get a job with the Diamondbacks, and then get hired as the GM of the New York Mets? And it's not the Mets' fault. They had no idea. This was kept under wraps for almost five years. You don't do this in any industry. This is not just a baseball problem. This is a human problem. Brett Favre, remember when he sent pictures of his dingus to that one reporter? It got him in major trouble. You just don't do that. doesn't matter what industry you're in. You don't do that. The biggest problem that I have here is that Major League Baseball and people that work in Major League Baseball organizations, there are more people like Jared Porter than you would want to believe. There are a lot of great people that work in Major League Baseball and work for these clubs. There are people that do amazing work to empower women in baseball and, in general, women in sports. But there are also a lot of creeps that work in these organizations. And while a lot of it never gets made public, we know that it exists. I know people that have worked in certain organizations, that have played in certain organizations, that tell me that misconduct like this happens more often than you would assume. But I hope that stories like these help to unearth more stories like these in different organizations. Because the more of this conduct that comes to the forefront, the better that Major League Baseball organizations are going to be at fixing it. The Cubs said that they had no idea this was going on, and now they are planning an investigation. An investigation doesn't really mean much four and a half years after the fact. The problem is, nobody at the top knew about this in the first place, and that's why it was able to fester for as long as it did. And for the second straight offseason, the Mets have to fire somebody before they even start a season. And Jared Porter, he did make a couple of moves, but last year the Mets had to fire Carlos Beltran before he ever managed a game. Sad stuff, to say the least. I'm glad that Jared Porter was fired. He will never work in baseball again. And I hope that this reporter, who chose to remain anonymous, and understandably so, can get back into baseball media if she wants to and not feel like she is in danger of having this happen to her again. Before Jared Porter was fired, he was a part of a three-team trade that sent Joe Musgrove from the Pirates to the San Diego Padres. So San Diego picks up yet another starting pitcher, and they now have a rotation for this upcoming year of Hugh Darvish, Blake Snell, Denilson Lamette, Chris Paddock, and now Joe Musgrove. Several minor leaguers changed hands as well. Joey Lucchese ended up going to the New York Mets in this trade. David Bednar went to the Pirates from the Padres. But Musgrove, he was the prize of this trade. A 1-5 record with a 3.86 ERA. Last season, he had 55 strikeouts. He was the best pitcher on a Pirates team that was just quite simply awful. 
But Joe Musgrove is not going to be making that much money. His arbitration contract was at a one-year, $4.45 million deal for 2021, so the Padres get him on the cheap, relatively speaking. His 3.86 ERA last year in Pittsburgh is the only time in his five-year career that he's had an ERA under four. His rookie year, he had a 4.06 ERA in 62 innings, but in 2017, his ERA ballooned to 4.77 came back down to 406 in 2018 after he was traded from Houston to Pittsburgh in the trade that brought Garrett Cole to Houston. Musgrove is a good number five starter. Mike Clevenger is going to be coming back at some point in 2022, and Mackenzie Gore is the top pitching prospect in baseball, and he is very close to being ready for the big leagues as well. San Diego has starting pitching depth, and they just got better by adding somebody like a Joe Musgrove. He is not an ace. I saw our friend Bob Nightingale put out there that the Padres acquired an ace. He's a number one starter. He is not an ace. And by the way, I love using that drop. For those of you that just listened to that, that is pre-recorded, and I edited in afterward. I am not just all of a sudden able to go in and have that harmonious music come as we speak the words of Bob Nightingale. But I love using it so much. It just brings a joy to my world that is unparalleled by any other piece of sound that we use on this show. So enough with that. Joe Musgrove got traded. There we go. John Lester signed a one-year contract with the Washington Nationals. Lester last year had a 3-3 record with a 5-16 ERA over 12 starts. Lester is not the pitcher that he once was. In 2016, his second year with the Cubs, he had his best year with the Cubs, posting a 2.44 ERA over 202 innings. He never had an ERA below three again in a Cub uniform. He also, I should mention, finished second in the Cy Young voting in 2016. In 2017, his ERA went up to 433. In 2018, it went back down to 332. He finished ninth in the Cy Young voting and led the National League with 18 wins. In 2019, he had a 13-10 record and a 446 ERA. So safe to say that John Lester posting his first plus-5 ERA ever means that he's probably on the back nine and very close to retirement. However, the great thing about him signing in Washington is he doesn't need to be the ace of that staff. They already have Steven Strasburg, Max Scherzer, and Patrick Corbin. They are fine in regards to starting pitching. John Lester just makes up one more back-end piece that is going to end up making the Nationals that much better when it comes to the depth in their starting rotation. Lester also joins his former Cub teammate, Kyle Schwarber, in Washington. Schwarber signed a one-year, $10 million contract with a second-year option a couple of weeks ago. So John Lester leaves Chicago. Cub fans are unhappy because, well, let's just face it, the Cubs do not want to spend money. This is a bit of an older signing, but Archie Bradley signed a one-year, $6 million contract with the Philadelphia Phillies last week. Bradley is expected to be the Philly closer as he will enter the 2021 season pitching for his third team in the last two years. He started this past year with Arizona, the team he's been with his whole career, and was traded at the deadline to Cincinnati where he made six appearances, allowing one run in seven and two-thirds innings. 
Bradley has been a very good relief pitcher in the past. He was a primary closer in 2019, where he posted 18 saves with a 3.52 ERA over 71 and two-thirds innings. Bradley's best season came in 2017, where he had a 1.73 ERA over 73 innings. That was the first season that he was a full-time reliever. His first two years in Arizona, he was a starting pitcher, and he was not a very good one. So Bradley found his niche as a reliever, eventually became a closer, and now is making $6 million for the next year in Philadelphia, where I expect he will probably be the Phillies' closer. Finally, some sad news. Don Sutton passed away at the age of 75 yesterday. Sutton pitched parts of 23 years in the big leagues, compiling 324 career wins and a 326 career ERA. Despite the fact that he won 300 games, Don Sutton never won the Cy Young Award. His best finish was third in 1976 when he won 21 games, lost 10, had a 3.06 ERA in 267 and two-thirds innings. His best season came in 1980, where he had a 2.20 ERA, a 13-5 record, over 212 innings of work. Sutton pitched for the Dodgers from 1966 until 1980, when he then moved on to the Houston Astros. He spent 81 and part of 82 of the Astros before being traded to the Milwaukee Brewers, and stayed with the Brewers until the end of the 1984 season. He then went to Oakland, was traded to the California Angels, pitched from 1985 until 1987 with the California Angels, and came back to the Dodgers in 1988, his final season in the big leagues. And despite having a sub-4 ERA because of an argument with management, he was released on August 10th and didn't get to win a World Series title. Don Sutton also holds the Major League record for most no decisions in outings where he pitched at least nine scoreless innings. That happened to him seven times. Yes, Don Sutton had seven appearances in his career where he received a no decision and his line was a nine-inning shutout. Simply remarkable. Don Sutton was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1998. Rest in peace to the great Don Sutton. That's going to do it for this edition of MLB Morning Coffee. When more free agency news breaks, we will have it here for you. Thanks again for coming along for the ride on this edition of the show. Have a great day, and we will catch you next time.